This is Joel Johnson, Senior Minister at Parkview Christian Church. I want to thank you for listening to our sermons online. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me by email at joeljohnson at parkviewfinley.org. War is a terrible reality of life. It seems like war has plagued the world at least since recorded history. We would be challenged to define a time when there hasn't been some kind of war somewhere on the earth. Wikipedia lists 106 wars that the United States has been involved in since its founding, beginning with the American Revolution. 106 conflicts in not quite 250 years as a nation. That's a lot of war. Throughout our lifetimes, there hardly seems to have been any time when we haven't been fighting a war somewhere. Today, war is raging in the Ukraine and the Middle East. But those are not the only places. There are smaller conflicts taking place around the world as well. And so let me, let me say that apart from the political implications of warfare, and apart from the fact that you have to defend your country against enemies, War is still a terrible reality of life. And war is the result of a much more serious conflict that takes place in the spiritual world. Can't get my clicker to work this morning. Okay, we'll just go without it. <clears throat> War is the result of a much more serious conflict that takes place in the spiritual war. We've been following Paul's teaching about the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6. And in verses 10 through 12, Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, listen, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the, ruler, the rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So Paul admonishes us to, to put on the full armor of God so that we will be able to stand our ground against Satan's attacks. And they are sure to come 
They are sure to come. In fact, they come almost on a daily schedule. And so Paul urges us to, to put on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, to have our feet fitted with the peace that comes from the gospel, to take up the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. All of these items of spiritual armor are vital and necessary to our spiritual victory. And so we need to put them on. We need to take advantage of them. And yet, in chapter 6 of Ephesians, beginning at verse 18, Paul says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So Paul encourages us to put on all this spiritual armor. And then immediately after that, he says, pray. He seems to be saying, if you want to be most effective in spiritual conflict, undergird your spiritual armor with prayer. The armor certainly is beneficial, and we dare not ignore it or leave it behind. But it will be even more effective if we back it up with, with prayer. Timothy Keller writes in his book on prayer, how do we actually get ourselves ready for life's battles? How do we get strong in the Lord? How do we become so spiritually sensitive that we can discern what is really going on in complicated situations? How do we get the assurance of God's wisdom, love, and power so that we can turn to him and rest in him. When Paul comes to the end of his metaphor on the armor of God, he just says, pray, pray, pray in the spirit, pray with alertness, pray all kinds of ways, pray all the time. And so, to back up our spiritual armor with prayer, we need to pray in the Spirit. That means that we need to pray in the name of Jesus, consistent with his nature and with his will. Now, for most Christians, for quite a long time, 
it has become customary to end our prayers with the phrase, in Jesus' name. And I am concerned that for many of us, that has become just a, uh, an automatic expression that we think is the appropriate way to end our prayers, much like you would end a, a letter with sincerely yours. But to pray in Jesus' name is more than just repeating uh, a phrase that has been etched into our thinking. To pray in Jesus' name is to pray in accordance with his will, his purpose, his power. In fact, it's Jesus and his death on the cross that makes it possible for us to approach God in prayer. So pray in the Spirit. Pray in the name of Jesus. Let the, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives energize our prayers, inform our prayers, and lead us to offer them with a sincere desire to honor God and to do His will. In Galatians chapter 5, or excuse me, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, Paul encourages us to be filled with the Spirit, to live under His guidance and power. And that's how we pray in the Spirit. If we allow the Spirit to fill us, to guide us, to empower us. In Galatians 5, he says, live by the Spirit and bear the fruit of the Spirit, consisting of things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If we are led by the Holy Spirit, then we bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and we are able to pray in the Spirit. Secondly, Paul says, on, pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Now, if we read the Bible carefully and, and notice the variety of types of prayer that are included, we, we see that there is a great variety of the types of prayer. And there is a, a great many opportunities for prayer. These can be in the form of, of praise, request, adoration, confession of sin. They can be in a normal voice, a soft whisper, a loud cry, or they can even be expressed silently without spoken words. As for the opportunities for prayer, they are 
as numerous as the number of things that happen in our lives from day to day. Everything that happens in our lives is an opportunity to pray. Everything that happens in the lives of those close to us is an opportunity to pray. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Paul says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. If we belong to the Lord, then there's no need to be anxious about anything. Several years ago, Neil and Karen Norheim gave me a, a plaque that we have uh, on uh, an antique desk in our home. And the plaque says, don't worry about tomorrow. God is already there. Maybe you have a similar plaque in your home. There's no need to be anxious. There's no need to fret. There's no need to worry. Instead, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul urges us to pray continually, to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And so that brings us then to the, the third uh, instruction about prayer that Paul gives us in Ephesians 6, and that is we need to pray continually. Always keep on praying for all the saints. Now, you know, in much of the Christian world, the word saint is used to designate somebody who is super holy, like St. Paul, or St. John, or St. Matthew, or St. Francis, or any number of others who have been designated saints. But in the New Testament, the word saint isn't used that way at all. In fact, in the New Testament, the word saint is used to designate all followers of Jesus. All believers are recognized as saints in the New Testament. Sometimes we may not behave as if we were saints, but nevertheless, that is our designation. In God's eyes, we belong to him, and we are set apart by virtue of our relationship to him and our relationship to Jesus, we are set apart as being dedicated to God's purpose and God's will. So therefore, we are saints. And so when Paul says, always keep on praying for all the saints, he's talking about praying for all of your Christian brothers and sisters. And you could pray for them all over the world, I guess it would be difficult to pray for them all 
by name and by specific request in that, in that area. But we can pray for one another as members of God's church at Parkview. Many of you receive the church prayer list that goes out two or three times a week uh, by email. And there are paper copies available at the connecting wall. But many of you use that prayer list and you, you pray faithfully for the needs that are listed there, for the people who are facing illness or injury or have some other crisis going on in their lives. And I commend you, I commend you if you are doing that because you are praying faithfully as God or as Paul encourages us to pray. Faithfully and continually. My wife, Mary, and my sister, who lives in Tennessee, are good examples of praying faithfully and continually. Mary's prayer list is long. And, and I mean very long. And it's also long-lasting. If you get on her prayer list, it's almost impossible to get off. It, it might even take an act of Congress to get off her prayer list. And the way Congress is behaving these days, that could be a very long time. But let me, let me share with you one example of how Mary and my sister, Brenda, put this matter into practice. Brenda's son, our nephew, for most of his adult life and probably a good part of his teenage years, struggled with an addiction to alcohol and drugs. He had no real direction in his life. He had no real purpose other than maybe fishing. He loved to fish, and he was a very good fisherman. I should say is a very good fisherman. But he couldn't keep a job. My sister and, and Mary prayed for him for years. And then a couple of years ago, when he was 60 years old, he voluntarily entered a Christian-led recovery program, and he was able to become sober as a result of that, found a renewed relationship with the Lord, and is very active and, and vocal about his faith at this point. And after he completed the recovery program, he stayed on with the ministry as a staff person to help others uh, achieve the same victory. Most of the others are young enough to be his children. 
Some of them may be even young enough to be his grandchildren. But that is an example of how faithful, continual, fervent prayer is effective. Pray continuously for all the saints, Paul says. And pray for your spiritual leaders as well. He says, pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Do you pray for our spiritual leaders? For Joel and Jonah and Mike and Sean? For our elders? For our teachers and Bible study leaders? our ministry team leaders, those who teach and care for your children and grandchildren. Pray, pray that they will be filled with the Holy Spirit and guided by him as they perform their ministries. Pray that their families will be blessed. Pray that they will find joy and fulfillment as they serve God by serving you. So we are to pray continuously for all the saints, including our spiritual leaders. And then there's one more element of prayer that I want to bring to your attention this morning. Paul doesn't mention it in Ephesians chapter 6, but he does mention it in Ephesians chapter 3, beginning with verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That, uh, that could pretty much be a sermon in itself. Pray that you may be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit in your inner being, 
Pray that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Pray that you will be rooted and established in love and be able to grasp how wide and long and high and deep the love of Christ is for you. And pray that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, don't, don't panic. I, I'm not going to do a BOGO for you this morning. I'm not going to give you one sermon and then preach another. But those four points would make a beautiful structure for another, another sermon. But I, I want to bring this in briefly. <laughs> Whenever you hear a preacher say briefly, you know he doesn't really mean it. But I want to bring this in briefly because it is such an important aspect of prayer, especially as we are thinking about how prayer can make our spiritual armor more effective. Now, I don't know what your prayer experience is like. It would be presumptuous of me uh, to, uh, to assume what your experience may be like. But I know what mine is often like. And I have a hunch that my experience is similar to at least some of yours. In my experience, most of my prayers, I'm ashamed to admit, are of the gimme variety. You know the children's ditty, gimme, 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 my name is Jimmy. Well, when I, when I pray, I find myself asking God for things that, that I need or that others uh, close to me need. And I suspect that maybe your, your prayers may be like that too. Because most of the prayers on our prayer list that comes out from the church are of that variety. And when I am in a, a group where prayer concerns are shared, most of them, if not all of them, are things that we need or that others need. Now, I, I want to be perfectly clear on this matter. There is absolutely nothing wrong with praying like that. Absolutely nothing wrong. In fact, doesn't Paul say, pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests? So it's perfectly fine to pray those kinds of prayers. But if that represents all or most of our prayer lives, we are missing out on one of the greatest blessings prayer can provide. And that is to know God more fully. So let me challenge us, and I'm including myself in this challenge. Let me challenge us 
to make this area of prayer a greater part, maybe the most important part of our prayer experience. Let us pray so that we can know God more fully. And how can we do that? Well, prayer is essentially a conversation with God. And how did you learn to have conversations with other people? Well, you learned that when you were just a little tyke, maybe just beginning to walk, maybe crawling. You learned how to express yourself verbally by hearing others talk to you or at least hearing others talk in your presence. And in the same way, we learn to talk to God by hearing or reading what he has said to us. The Bible is God's word to us. Now, granted, it was written down by many different writers over a period of hundreds of years, but it is God's word nonetheless. He inspired it. He breathed, in, breathed it into the minds of those chosen to write it down. And in his word, he tells us who he is. And he tells us what he is like. And he tells us who we are in relation to him. He tells us what he has done for us and what he expects of us. So if you want to know God more fully and know how to talk to him, then read his word. Especially portions like the Psalms where King David and others pour out their hearts to God in genuine praise and prayer. Read the prophets where God reveals his will and his purpose. Read the gospels where God shows who he is and what he is like in the person of Jesus, his son. In fact, you can read any portion of the Bible, any portion, and gain insight into who God is and what he is like. And as you read, pray. Praise God in wonder, awe, and adoration. When you read about the blessings God has, has given to us as his children, gratefully thank him for who he is and the blessings he provides. When you read about God as the, the awesome Lord of the universe, who is sovereign and powerful above everything else. Honor him as the God of the universe, the Lord and King of all 
there is. If we will do this, we will be strengthened with power through his spirit. We will have Christ living in our hearts. We will be able to experience the height, the depth, the length, and the width of the love of Christ. We will be filled with the abundance of God's love, and we will be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Think about that. If we begin to pray like that, how much more fully will we know God and be blessed by Him? And not only that, but if we pray like that and come to know God in His fullness, then the armor of God will be so much more effective because we have covered it and ourselves with prayer. We will be much better equipped and prepared to stand victoriously against the attacks of Satan.